Hello, and welcome to The Refresh from Insider. I'm Carrie Donahue, in for Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. It's Friday, September 2nd, and we're here updating whenever there's news all day, every weekday. Here's the latest. Donald Trump isn't officially running for president yet, but if he does announce his candidacy, a new campaign pledge may involve granting full pardons to people accused of January 6th offenses. And I mean full pardons with an apology just to many. In his conversation with a conservative radio host yesterday, the former president also said he's financially supporting some of the January 6th defendants. Residents in Jackson, Mississippi, still don't have drinkable water for the fifth day in a row. They still can't take showers or even flush the toilet because there's no water pressure. Officials say there has been some progress made at the O.B. Curtis water plant, which is one of the facilities at the center of all of this. They've been able to refill tanks and treat water and even increase pressure. But the effect has been negligible for residents. And one official told The Washington Post the crisis has no clear end date. The August jobs report is out. The U.S. added 315,000 jobs, about what was expected, but less than July's report. The labor market is unusually strong, even though unemployment rose slightly to 3.7 percent. Officials at the Federal Reserve have been hoping to see a slowdown in hiring ahead of this month's meeting. It'd be a sign that its rate hikes are working to cool off the economy. Scientists may have found the answer to a mystery about the pyramids of Giza that has baffled experts for centuries. You see, archaeologists could never understand how the ancient Egyptians were able to haul the bricks that weighed several tons across the desert. But scientists have just discovered a dried-up branch of the Nile River that used to lead right up to the Great Pyramid Complex. The Egyptians most likely used that waterway to transport the bricks. I mean, it doesn't explain the near-perfect geometry of the pyramids, I suspect aliens, but still a really cool discovery. Get this. The James Webb Telescope has captured the first ever direct image of a planet outside our solar system. Astronomers have given the exoplanet the very sexy name of HIP-65426b. It's around 15 to 20 million years old, just a little baby compared to Earth's four and a half billion years. Honestly, the picture looks a little like something out of a vintage arcade Space Invaders, but this is still a major accomplishment, not just for the brand new telescope, but for astronomy in general. Hey, if you like any of these segments that we're producing for the Refresh from Insider, did you know that you can share any of them on social media? It's true. Just look in the description section of your podcast app and you'll see a little share link next to each story. It's super easy. Give it a try. Coming up, we talk with assistant Sonam Obsessian about her unconventional relationship with her boss, Conan O'Brien. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has been calling attention to alleged voter fraud. Two weeks ago, his newly created Elections Crime Police Unit announced it had arrested 20 people for voting illegally. But the Miami Herald reports the case is falling apart. Turns out the people targeted were recently re-enfranchised under Florida's 2018 constitutional amendment, which ended the lifetime ban on voting for felons. 
In a primetime speech last night at Philadelphia's Independence Hall, President Biden warned against the looming threat to democracy. The White House says it wasn't a political event, but Biden didn't just call out Donald Trump by name. He also took aim at MAGA Republicans who represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Urging Americans to vote, the president pointed to the rise of political violence as an imminent danger. They don't understand what every patriotic American knows. You can't love your country only when you win. Forget Thunderdome, the western U.S. is facing its own dystopian threat right now with its latest heat dome. Temperatures across California over the holiday weekend will be well into the triple digits. Other states from Arizona up to Montana are also facing heat warnings. And the National Weather Service isn't mincing words. It's warning of serious heat-related health threats, while the power grid operators and firefighters are bracing for tough days. A Marine veteran and retired New York City police officer has received the longest sentence yet for a January 6th defendant. Thomas Webster, who's in his mid-50s, will spend a decade in prison for threatening a D.C. police officer, first with a Marine Corps flagpole and then by assaulting and choking the officer as he ripped off his gas mask. Webster claimed self-defense at trial, but at his sentencing said he wished the horrible day had never happened. Climate change makes everything worse, even turbulence in airplanes. A professor at the University of Reading in the UK has been studying the changes in air turbulence since 2013, and he predicts that its severity and duration will get significantly worse around the world by 2050 to 2080. But he says that won't increase the risk of crashes, only the risk of injuries caused by turbulence, because planes are built to withstand the bumpiest possible ride. Behind every celebrity, there's a hardworking, exhausted assistant. Sona Mufsesian, Conan O'Brien's assistant, isn't one of them. By her own admission, Sona naps on the job, talks back, and expenses things she probably shouldn't. But there are times when I want to, like, poison your food, or <laughs> where I want to... I really think about ways to kill you yeah. slowly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that there is a mental block I have about helping him because... She has a mental block against helping me. She's my assistant! And after more than a decade on the job, Sona has written a book called The World's Worst Assistant about her unusual boss-employer relationship. And you can also hear her alongside Conan in the podcast Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And she's also here today. Hey, Sona. Hello. You had been an intern and then a page at NBC before you started working for Conan in 2009. Right. And you've said that at first you were totally professional and buttoned up, but then things shifted a few months in. Uh, What was the moment your relationship with Conan changed? I think the joke that kind of ruined us was I was talking on the phone with my grandma. When I hung up, he was like, what was that? It sounded like you were arguing with Dracula. And I think that a lot of people would listen to what he said and be like, how, sir, how dare you insult my Armenian heritage? But I thought it was funny. So I started laughing. And I think he was like, okay, this is the type of person who will laugh at those kinds of jokes. And I was like, this is the kind of person who will make those kind of jokes. So I think we both 
just encouraged it. So it's part his fault too. It's not just all me. <laughs> I think everyone's looking at me like, how did you lose your professionalism? I'm like, I work for, I work for a comedian. How did he never had it? So he set the tone. So now you say Conan lets you get away with a lot. Your book is even titled The World's Worst Assistant. So how would you describe your work ethic? Um, I, I do regular things for Conan. Of course, you know, keeping his schedule was a big part of my job and sort of being a gatekeeper between him and the rest of the staff when we had a show was a big part of my job. But there was so much downtime. Most people would be proactive and find other things to do during those moments of downtime. I was not that person. I was not, hmm, let me make more work for myself. I was like, oh, I did the work I needed to do. So now this is my break time. So I'm going to watch 12 episodes of Shit's Creek or, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, I did what I needed to do. So now I'm just going to watch a full movie. I'll watch, you know, the Godfather trilogy right now, just as a quick break. So some listeners might not be familiar with the dynamic between you and Conan, but he started bringing you on air for his bits on his show on TBS many years ago. Please welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Sona Movsesian. And then you're a personality on the podcast, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And you said this before, you don't have any aspirations of being on camera or becoming the next Conan. You've said that if it all ended tomorrow, you would be fine. Yeah. Do you think this outlook is part of your personality or have you cultivated this style of healthy detachment? I think it's survival. So I think that if it's really important for me and my sanity just to say, this isn't something I sought out. It's fun. It's really, really fun right now to, to just do these things that other people get to watch and listen to. But it can all go away tomorrow. And I, I do have to mentally make myself okay with that. I'm riding Conan's coattails and one day he's going to, you know, he's going to retire or, you know, what if he gets abducted by aliens? I can't, <laughs> you know, I need to have a contingency plan. I need to be okay with just going back to obscurity and, and being okay with that. The press right now can't get enough of the concept of quiet quitting, which is right. basically a term for not working yourself to death. And I think the way you talk about ambition or specifically about getting off the ambition bandwagon feels just very timely. Mm. So how do you feel about your relationship to your job right now? I love my job very much. I love working for Conan. And the reason I like it is because I work for someone who respects me. I work for someone who compensates me properly. I work for somebody who listens to me. Mm. And I think that uh, a lot of these people who are quietly quitting are saying, I don't need to kill myself for this job, especially if they're not feeling respect or they're not feeling like they're properly compensated or they're feeling like they're not being listened to. I think that if you want somebody to do something and if it's not part of the job requirement or job description, then you shouldn't expect them to have to go above and beyond if they don't want to. So for any overworked and overly ambitious millennial out there listening right now, any career advice? Um, there are people who will always be very work-minded, who will always give 150%. And there's going to be people who aren't those, you know, 150%ers. There's, you know, 60%ers <laughs> or 70%ers <laughs> or even less in my case. So I think that they, <laughs> I think they need to just be okay with that. 
I realized very early on, I'm just going to be mediocre. And that's totally fine with me. Most people are mediocre. And hopefully you'll find someone like Conan O'Brien who'll be like, that'll do. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Find somebody extraordinary to work for and then be mediocre. (laughs) What awful information I'm giving out. What a terrible piece of advice. I love it. Sona? (laughs) Thank you so much for talking with us at the refresh. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. This was so nice. Thank you so much. So Noam Obsessian is the New York Times bestselling author of The World's Worst Assistant. Make sure to follow the refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. The refresh from Insider is produced by Frank Alito, Grace Eliza Goodwin, and us, Rebecca Ibarra. And Carrie Donahue. I'm the executive producer. Andy Bowers is the head of audio at Insider. And we had extra help this week from Rob Gunther and Dan Gooding. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. <laughs> 